Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. This is the match preview. Newcastle head to Crystal Palace on Friday evening looking for a much-needed win. I'm joined by John Gibson, um, head of recording another episode of Gibbo's Corner, but we thought we'd get John's view on what has been a turbulent few weeks at Newcastle United. John, is tomorrow's game against Crystal Palace a must-win for Steve Bruce? I think it is. I think uh, the way Newcastle are at the moment, virtually every game that comes along is a must-win. The worry is, can they win? Might be a must-win, but can they win? And the answer to that is, only if they play a lot differently to what they've been playing recently. And they've not been playing well at all. And I think that's what's irked a lot of Newcastle United fans, not necessarily getting beat off Chelsea, but the way... They got beat, you know, the, the performance was lacking right from the off. Same against Southampton. And we're going to hear from Steve Bruce in his press conference in a moment. Um, but I just want to get your opinion on that, John. It's it's a valid criticism from fans. Even pundits have pointed it out. We've pointed it out at the Chronicle that something's got to change because it's not good to watch. Personally, I feel it's a bit of a defeatist attitude. They look like they're set up to, to it best get a point. Um, you know, and a win is... Well, would be nice, but they don't look like they're in that mindset to try and try and beat teams, and that's no. quite worrying. No, they're dreadful to watch from a Geordie's point of view. They're absolutely dreadful to watch from a neutral's point of view. With them on telly so much these days because of coronavirus, they're the most boring side in the, in, in the Premier League, and that's frightening because it's the doctrine of, of Steve Bruce appears to be it doesn't matter how we play as long as we get the results because we've got to collect points. Um, but quite frankly, if they continue to play the way they are now, they will not collect points because the bottom of the table when it comes to shots, the bottom of the table when it comes to passing in the final third, the bottom of the table when it comes to shooting, um, the possession stats, every single Premier League game is beneath 50%, and a lot of the time, way, way beneath that. Steve Bruce has won six of his last 27 games. Now, those stats aren't a matter of opinion, aren't a matter of people with chips on their shoulders having a go at Steve Bruce on Newcastle United. They are facts, and it's worrying in the extreme, because unless Newcastle stop the way they're playing, they will not start to win games because they don't get up the park enough to win games. It is a horrendous state of events. I mean, when I look at Typical for me was that game against Chelsea. In the 84th minute, we got a throw in level with the edge of the Chelsea box and we passed the ball back 90 yards to our keeper from a throw-in on the edge of their box when we were 2-0 down with six minutes to go. What sort of hope are we given of getting a result when that is is the way we play? Yeah, it wasn't good. I think a lot of people have actually forgotten that Chelsea's second goal came from a Newcastle United throw-in. That's been brushed over probably for the better of Correct. Steve Bruce. Um, talking about Steve Bruce, he held his press conference on Thursday morning um, and he was asked about team confidence and this is what he had to say. Yeah, it's been tough. Look, Southampton, well, last three games, the team who we played against could have gone top of the league. So that's sometimes the way it falls. And make no mistake, in the last couple in particular, against Southampton and Chelsea, we found it difficult. We haven't played well enough. So we accept that. 
and move on. That's the way it is. That's the Premier League. You know, you've got to go with it and take the punches that come along. And certainly we had a difficult couple of weeks. However, we've got another game Friday, then next week. So it's important that we that we show that resilience that we've that we've shown over the last 16, 18 months since I've been here and um, and go with it and try and get a result again. Well, of course, we've got to try to get a result uh, all, all the while. And Newcastle do get results. Unfortunately, they defeat. That's a result. Uh, Newcastle have got to do much better than that. And it's not just a matter of showing resilience. That is a typical Steve Bruce quote. Resilience means rubbing, pulling the sleeves up, having a real go, battling at the back. We've got to do more than that. We've got to get into the final third. Newcastle have played with attacking players in Wilson in Almiron in Sam Maximum and Fraser when he's available etc etc are we utilising them to the best of their ability I mean this is supposed to be a work in progress well I ask you if it's a work in progress what progress has been made if you look at the four major signings we made in the summer taking the keeper out who was always just going to be a backup keeper um, how how much has the team been improved? Wilson has unquestionably improved the team. There's there's no doubt about that. Um, but you, you look at Fraser, I mean, he's not going to be available against um, uh, Crystal Palace. He might be available in a week's time or a little bit longer. We've never he started one Premier League game since he came. So and he didn't come with an injury. He came not having played for a while, but he didn't come with an injury. So the jury's out on him. Hendricks gone backwards. Hendricks started okay against um, uh, West Ham, but he, he's gone backwards. And the, the young left back Jamal Lewis is a young boy learning the game who gets caught out defensively. So I, I wouldn't say he's improved the left back position. Fraser hasn't been able to do anything. Hendricks been dreadful. So the only one that's actually at this moment in Fraser might well become good. At this moment, that's justified anything has been Wilson. And we are now going into a period, starting with the game at Crystal Palace, where every game is on paper winnable. But are we going to win it? We play the two deadbeats down at the bottom, um, Fulham and West Brom at home in that period. We play a quarter-final of the League Cup. It is absolutely crucial that we fly in this period. I mean, I know I noticed um, Jamal Lewis said uh, that it was we definitely could finish in the top ten. Well, I think that's exuberance of youth. I mean, I <laughs> I don't think that for one moment and I don't think any Geordie fan right now will believe that but let's make no doubt about it we have got to get something at Crystal Palace Steve Bruce there saying we need to move on that's angered quite a few Newcastle United fans on social media and we all know social media is this ticking time bomb anyway and Steve Bruce isn't well liked on that platform especially Twitter so he has got a bit of a, a, a tough job but can you understand the frustration from fans at that come just just move on because is that Steve Bruce 
kind of being a clever manager and trying to deflect the criticism, um, trying to dampen it. And, and behind closed doors, he's he's not moving on. He'll, he'll, be, he'll be drilling it into the players that's not good enough, it's not acceptable. What do you generally think? He thinks that it's maybe the criticism's over the top and, and we move on to the next game and the next game is the, is the one to focus on. Well, he, he's got to uh, understand his public um, because they play a vital part in whether you like or dislike is a huge thing in football and and at the moment Steve Bruce isn't helping himself because there is this feeling that it's everyone else's fault bar Newcastle United's the, the dressing room the players the coaching staff and him and quite frankly it isn't we we have seen not one iota of progress in in 18 months and um, the way Newcastle play, unfortunately, reflects the way Aston Villa played towards the end of his reign at Villa when uh, the Villa fans turned on him completely because of the, the type of football. I mean, you look at Steve Bruce and you think that he approaches football with the idea of not losing rather than the idea of winning. And... Um, Quite frankly, one win brings you three points. Now, if we are going to get our points the way we got them, one point at Spurs and one point at Wolves, they are mammoth efforts. Within 10 minutes, the game was up against Chelsea when we were one down, uh, straight away. And against the, Southampton. Yes, the best you can get is a draw. You're not going to win because they're not going to score twice. Newcastle have got to adopt a much better progressive attitude if you get three games like we got against Spurs and Wolves, you've got three points. That's a mammoth effort to get that. In one game, you can get three points with the right attitude. I just want to ask you there about how they're starting off. Steve Bruce, again, he said after the uh, the Chelsea game, you know, this is kind of the third or fourth time we've, we've started badly. Yep. We mentioned there against Southampton, it was what, six minutes in, they could have been up, they then got the goal. Southampton, uh, sorry, Chelsea, 10 minutes in, 1-0 up, and it could have been two even before that. Darlow again, you know, saving Newcastle's blushes. If that is the case, you know, and it is the case that Newcastle have started badly in several games, yep. what is going on? Because I was sitting there and I, I listened to him uh, say that after the Chelsea game, and I was just thinking... Right, if, you, if you're saying that to the supporters, you're saying that to the media, then you know it's an issue. But there'll be a fair few tomorrow who will bet that, that uh, Crystal Palace will have a goal within the first 15 minutes of the game. Well, that used to be Newcastle United style, going way back. The, the, the style used to be, we come out the blocks fast and try to hit them and, and try to set a good tempo to the game. We come out now for a match as though we're fearful. And certainly, I think the defenders are fearful. They, they are terrified. They're quite happy to drop off deeper and deeper and deeper if it's not going to offend the manager. Why do they want to do that? Because the centre-halves are terrified that players with pace will get behind them. They like, and Lascelles is the greatest uh, example of this. He likes to play in a three. He likes two centre-halves on either side of him where you can't get a piece of paper 
cover between them and two sitting midfielders in front of them. That's the sort of protection they want because they're scared of people with pace getting behind Newcastle and therefore they defend deep. And if you defend that deep, you might have ball carriers like Almirin and Sam Maximum, but you've got an awful long way to go from the edge of your penalty area before you get to the edge of theirs, never mind anything else. You cannot keep playing like that. And Newcastle play with fear. Leeds United that have come up would be called gung-ho. Their manager would be called Kevin Keegan from the old days. But which is better? Surely Leeds are better to watch than, than Newcastle. I mean, Leeds took the game to Arsenal the whole time. They haven't come up with fear. We have a fear inbuilt in our side before a match starts. And the scary thing is, is that Crystal Palace beat Leeds United 4-1 not so long ago. Oh, Leeds playing the way they play will get beat. But yes, Crystal Palace, we talk about them being all about Zaha, uh, you know, and when he doesn't play, they've only won twice. And he'll be missing this week because of the COVID scare. I w- yes, I would think so. Um, but w- if you look at it, just facts, we are all about San Maximum. We've only won one game. Steve Bruce has only won one game where San Maximum hasn't started in the Football League, in the Premier League. So you, you could put the same emphasis onto us. And I've got no... Zaha out would be a huge help. But will Newcastle be fear, fearful? Will Newcastle go into this game thinking a point's a good result? A point is not a good result against Crystal Palace. Especially, Three points is a good result. Especially when it's away from home but there's no fans allowed in so if Palace are known for that of atmosphere. And if you're not going to get points against Palace, if you're not going to get points against Fulham, if you're not going to get points against West Brom, what are you going to get them from? <laughs> you know, he said, we're playing good teams. We could have gone top these sides yeah Southampton could have gone top a year ago they got beat nine they, if, if we are starting to be f- terrified of Southampton we have got a problem playing in the Premier League mind well you had a slip of the tongue there didn't you with Football League fearful yes. thinking yeah heaven forbid <laughs> that I'm, I'm eternally grateful that Fulham and uh, West Brom are what they are this season and that Burnley and Sheffield United are suggesting that they overperformed last season with the results because those four are giving us a cushion. Mm. So Palace, seven points from the last five, Newcastle four from the last five. You would look at Palace and you'd argue they're favourites. Uh, I think Newcastle United fans would, would unfortunately say that. Just before I ask for your score prediction, John, hmm. Any changes you'd make? Obviously, Callum Wilson looks like he's going to be involved. Steve yeah. Bruce, um, you know, said he's trained and looks ready to go. Matt Ritchie, John Joe Shelby in contention. There are a few unnamed players who are going to miss out. They're self-isolating because of COVID. Yeah. Steve Bruce didn't want to go into detail. I'm sure we'll find out tomorrow when the squad and the team's announced. Um, but let's, let's not kind of guess who those players are let's just say everyone's available um, who would you pick would you I mean there's a lot of talk about that midfield yeah. Hayden starts for me does he start for you and if so who who does he yes, partner he, yes he does um, well first and foremost I would like to look at, at the attacking players because we're talking all this time that Newcastle have got to start attacking and I would like to see Ben mind Fraser is evidently not available he is not fit I would play um, Wilson up front I would play 
I'm living on one side wide and some maximum on the other side wide. And I think, and this is an unusual one, I think I would go with Sean Longstaff at 10 because I think he can play 10, he looks for a shot, he's got a vicious shot on him and he can play that 10. I would have played Almirin 10 and Fraser out wide if I could. Fraser's not going to be available, so I'd play Almirin one side, San Maximum the other, Wilson up top and put Sean Longstaff in at 10, which no doubt will see Shelby come back, I would suspect, to play alongside him. They've missed Shelby, I think. I know he gets a lot of stick, but yeah. at least he looks for something. At least he's got that that want to, to, to create something, a bit like Alan St. Maximum has. Without him, there's just, there's just no... There's no desire to go forward. I, I can understand that, but one thing that always upsets Supermac, and, uh, and it upsets me to a certain extent as well, is there's a fear. When we play Shelby, we play him um, almost standing on the toes of the two central defenders or the three central defenders. We play him so deep, and this is going back to Lascelles and the other two centre-halves liking um, players around them. So you get Shelby playing far, far too deep on the edge of our penalty area, whereas if he could push up, his passing range would be so more, t- so more telling higher up the field. I wonder whether it's a chance to give Richie uh, a go at left-back as well, because... He brings an awful lot to the table in terms of enthusiasm, determination and making others around him play. He sets a bar, the standard. Absolutely. And it may be uh, in the team with the people I've mentioned, he would be better off playing on the left left wing back position um, and giving the kid a rest, uh, the the young lad, Lewis. Because... I don't think you're going to get Richie in or I don't want him in further upfield. I would prefer uh, San Maximum and Almirin up there. So maybe it's a, it's a time just to give the kid time to draw his breath because he's come from a, a, a relegation side last season into a side that's getting pelted for their performances this season and it might give him a little chance to be out the firing line. Have you noticed us? Those watching on YouTube looking around, we just had a nice little visit from a, a four-legged friend who's now, who's now getting a nice cuddle. Gorgeous <laughs> he is. Um, John, your score prediction then? <sighs> <It's> a, <laughs> well, because you, you, you can... They'll go to get a draw and say it's a good result. They must win, and if Zaha doesn't play, that definitely implodes on their team. Um but I still fear the worst. Uh, I can see we're getting beat by a goal. I'm hoping to death. If Steve Bruce plays the right way and Newcastle United can win, will Steve Bruce play the West Day? I'll ask you. I think probably not. Uh, if he plays the right way, Newcastle can get something. If he plays his usual way, Newcastle lose. There we have it. Um, in a moment, we'll hear from Football London's Joe Doyle, who covers Crystal Palace. Uh, we'll be back after this short break. So just a quick note, we're now over on YouTube at the Everything is Black and White podcast. And if you're liking what you're hearing, why not come and see what we're producing? We'd really like you to hit subscribe. We're also over on Instagram at Chronicle NUFC and in the usual place on Twitter and Facebook. We'd really like the likes, the reviews and the subscriptions because without your continued support, we can't get very far. So thanks very much for listening.
The duo, thanks for joining us. Palace Newcastle on Friday. Um, both sides very close in the league table. Palace maybe unexpectedly lost to Burnley last week. Good chance for them to bounce back though from that defeat. And is the expectation you think that they should come away with all three points against Newcastle? Uh, I think it's been a bit of a mixed season for Palace really so far. I think uh, they're 11th in the table as it currently stands. Um, four wins and four losses so far. So it's really been hit and miss as far as they're concerned. And I think one of the key factors for them so far this season has been how they've set up. They've set up pretty defensively, uh, trying to catch teams on the counter-attack with the likes of Zaha and Townsend really uh, putting their pace to good use on the counter. And I think against Burnley, it wasn't so much unexpected as it was just a case of who could really get the first goal and kick on from there. I think every time Palace have gone behind so far this season, they've not really... Well, it's messed up with their game plan um, because they've had to then come out and try and do the more attacking, which they're not really set up to do. Uh, against Burnley, I didn't really, I wasn't too positive about the uh, chances just because of the way Burnley themselves set up. It's fairly mirrored to how Palace do in terms of uh, formation, and it's Palace at the moment are just. Um, more of a reactive side than a proactive side and I think that really shows against teams where you'd hope that they would have more of the ball I think pretty much every match this season so far they've uh, been dominated in terms of possession so I think uh, against Newcastle it's really a matter of who wants to take it on more I know Newcastle themselves set up fairly similarly and trying to get the best out of Sam Maximan on the break and uh, it's really just going to be, I think, a case of, I think it will be a tight match and seeing who is going to take the initiative, really. I think that's what it will come down to. Certainly going to be interesting because I think Newcastle United fans are expecting a reaction after the last few performances not being good. And they've started the game really badly in the last couple of games, um, conceding early on, conceding like 10 minutes in, but even then it could have been two or three, uh, there could have been two or three goals down even before the goal actually went in. So is that something you think Palace can capitalise on or because they do set up in such a similar way, it's going to be very much, um, well, it's it's not going to be, there's not going to be an early goal in it. I think the early goal will be key. Uh, if, it, if there isn't one, then it's going to be an extremely tight affair in my book. But uh, I think... Palace this season have started pretty brightly. Uh, they took the lead early on against Man United. They took the lead early on against Leeds United um, just before the international break. And that was their best performance of the season by quite a distance. And then against Burnley, they went behind after, I think, seven minutes or something like that. So it's really a Jekyll and Hyde season for them at the moment. I think it is something that uh, Palace will look to capitalise on against Newcastle because they tend to try and get out really quickly and hit teams early and then that affords them the ability to sit back and soak up quite a lot of pressure which they have been really good at um, apart from perhaps the second half against Chelsea when they went in at half time nil nil and lost the game 4-0 so um, against Newcastle I think Palace will be trying to really uh, 
get get the likes of Jairo Reader world on the ball early, um, see what he can do, move the ball, uh, move the team up the pitch really quickly, and look for the likes of uh, Jordan Ayew and Andros Townsend and Eberieze in behind, uh, try and really catch Newcastle a bit cold. Obviously, Sahar is out with a COVID scare. How big of a loss is he going to be? I know Roy Hodgson was a bit a bit angry and he delivered a message saying, you know, with a threat without Sahar. But I don't think there's any getting away that. A bit like Alan's at maximum at Newcastle. Without Sahar on the team, Palace are a worse team for it. Yeah, I think you just have to look at the Palace's record without Zahar is absolutely terrible. They win, I think, something about two out of 16 games without him in the team in the last in the last two seasons or something like that. And it really is a case of a one-man club in some, in some ways. When he's on form, he, everything good goes through him. You look at against Leeds, he didn't get on the score sheet, but he, set up, he played a key role in quite a few of the goals and then um, sorry and he just offers the most threat in every situation uh, whether he's wide on the left and running at people or trying to turn people in the centre his passing is a little bit overlooked but he found, finds some he always looking for players in behind and looking to put Palace on the front foot and it's something that tends to catch people, a lot of people out because they're not maybe expecting it. I think also he fits exactly what Hodgson's looking for in terms of his team. Um, you look at the replacement that's come in and it's, uh, well, whichever way you want to look at it, it's either Batshuayi or Ayu who starts in his place and they're just not the same type of player. Ayu's pretty good at running with the ball. Um, Batshuayi's not... But, and then Batshuayi is more of a poacher type finisher and perhaps offers a bit more in that terms than Zaha, but he's not great on the ball. Uh, he's struggled at times this season, although he has had, I think he had a run of three games in a row where he scored, but all three were counted, uh, were, sorry, changed by offside for, by VAR. So it's just, it's a massive blow. I don't think you, you can say anything else about it. He's, absolutely key to them. Without him, where does the threat come from? You've mentioned his replacement there, but where does the threat come from? Because like Newcastle, when Anson Maximum's either not on form or he's not on the side, the record when he's not on the side is, is awful. And when he's not on top of his game, Newcastle just they don't have a threat. So, And they don't have a replacement either, which I think is very important for Newcastle. Um, do Palace have a, a threat outside of Sahar? And if so, who is it? Well, I think it's all about adapting their game around him. I think you're looking at the people who can cause a threat on the side. I know uh, Andros Townsend, he plays mainly, he plays pretty much uh, solely on the right-hand side of midfield. And he can put in some really dangerous crosses that Ayu um, uh, and Batshuayi can be looking to get on the end of. But the last couple of games, the deliveries haven't been great and he's not really hit top form. Whereas earlier in the season, it was a quite a big... Uh, danger on the left Eberieze has been a breath of fresh air in the last couple of weeks against Leeds it was fantastic he um, put in a great cross for the first goal a fantastic set piece for a free kick for his goal and then he really helped to dominate the team um, dominate Leeds sorry um, cutting in from the left and combining again with Zaha 
Um, obviously, his link-up play was gone, and so it's all about trying to find a new partnership with, and working with IU and Batchway. And it's quite difficult for new players coming into the team to do that, especially when um, the other members are chopping and changing quite so much. But I think most of Palace's threat will come down the left. I think Patrick Van Arnold's reintroduction to the team after recovering from injury is going to be key to that. He offers quite a lot of threat from the uh, fullback position that uh, you don't perhaps get with Tyreek Mitchell, even though he offers quite a lot in defence. Um, he's just 18, so he's only learning the game at the moment. But Van Arnold can really um, put teams on the back foot and he allows Ezo to cut inside, uh, move some more, move to where he's more comfortable perhaps as we saw in this spell at QPR last season uh, cutting in from and playing more centrally and being just a threat from the centre um, I mean on Friday nights Palace have a terrible record um, winless in all 12 of their top flight Friday night games so that's a start in Newcastle's favour um, but Newcastle without a win in the last five games at Palace so obviously starting Palace's favour. And I guess it's about whichever side decide to give a reaction that their fans are expecting. Uh, like Hodgson said in his press conference, you know, it's always a it's always a, a chance to kind of like redeem the last result, which obviously was defeated Burnley. Do you expect Palace to step it up a bit? Do you expect Roy Hodgson to, you know, get that that reaction that I think the fans are probably after? They tend to bounce back quite well from when they've not played so great. I think against Fulham, they were okay in the first half, but they really conceded a lot of the momentum in the game and allowed them to come back at them. And then following that, it was uh, a trip to Wolves. Went two, two down pretty early on. And then the second half performance was really quite a lot better. So they tend to react fairly well to adversity. And then again, after the defeat against Wolves was a fantastic performance against Leeds. So just have the, it's really just a case of wait and see with them. If you were Steve Bruce and you were telling your players that this is the one weakness you think Palace have, this is the weakness you've got to exploit on Friday, what would you say it is? What is Palace's biggest weakness that Newcastle can, can get at? I think against certainly... Brighton and Fulham and Wolves, uh, three consecutive games. Uh, they were facing teams with uh, three at the back and wing backs, and they tend and they got cut open quite a lot by the wing backs. I think particularly uh, Brighton, they just couldn't really work out the, what the shape was, um, who who they were picking up. I think with Eze on the left of midfield, he's not naturally uh, a winger, so he's not. He's still getting used to the positional side of the game and I think getting down the right, getting behind him can be a really, it could be very profitable for Newcastle. I think just it, Palace tend to try and make their formation as narrow as possible. You'll see Van Arnold or Clyde tucking in very narrowly when the ball's on the opposite side. So if you can get the fullbacks pushed up high, I think that's where you can really hurt Palace. Fantastic. And if Steve Bruce has to watch out for a strength, obviously, Sahar's not playing. I think many people would say that's maybe part of the biggest strength. So where does the lie? Where, what is their biggest strength 
that Newcastle need to stop? I think um, they need to stop the ball moving forward through uh, Reader World. I think he's been he's coming to the team this season. He started every game in pre-season and missed the first couple through injury. But since then, he's been really influential in the centre of the field. He picks up the ball and really is the most positive player uh, that's played in central midfield. They've been uh, rotating roster so far with um, James McCarthy, James MacArthur and uh, Luka Milibojevic. But he's the only one who really comes into the team and is uh, much more attacking. He gets forward a lot more, tries late runs into the box. And I think he's the, he's the person that if you can stop him now with Zaha out of the team, then you can probably stop Palace. I know you most looking forward to seeing from Newcastle is there a player that stands out that you think gets fans excited a player that you think Palace might target to you know to, to shut up to stop getting the ball to or just to stop the threat that they offer I would say from Palace the main threat will obviously be uh, Alisson Maximan is uh, incredibly exciting player as well as just uh, one of the most direct attacking threats on the pitch but I think that quite a lot uh, of this game will depend on the goalkeepers, both for Palace and Newcastle. I think Guaita has been impressive this season. He hasn't had too much to do, despite seeing quite a few goals against him. Um, didn't really have much of a chance with any of them. Been great, some great strikes so far. I think Darlo in goal for Newcastle as well has been is one of the uh, alongside him, alongside Guaita isn't underrated player in terms of what he brings to the team. I mean, Darlow has made the most save and Newcastle have conceded the most shots on goal and have uh, had the, the, the least shots on goal themselves. So um, not great stats, but Darlow has certainly been kept very busy. Just before I ask for your score prediction, Steve Bruce obviously had a spell at Palace. What's the view of Bruce by Palace fans? Is he liked or do they not? They don't really, don't really care or what, what's the feeling on Bruce? Um, to be honest, I don't think there's much animosity or anything between them. I think he's, I think Steve Bruce, apart from perhaps in Sunderland, is a pretty well liked manager throughout most of the league. Um, yeah, I think he's uh, he's had quite quite a decent reputation since he's joined Newcastle of being able to stabilise them. And your score prediction then for Friday night? I think it's going to be low scoring, unfortunately. I would be tempted to go for a nil-nil or a one-nil either way. Um, I think probably on the basis of the recent games, I'd go one-nil Palace. So just a quick note, we're now over on YouTube at the Everything is Black and White podcast. And if you're liking what you're hearing, why not come and see what we're producing? We'd really like you to hit subscribe. We're also over on Instagram at ChronicleNUFC and in the usual place on Twitter and Facebook. We'd really like the likes, the reviews and the subscriptions because without your continued support, we can't get very far. So thank you very much for listening.